Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Good morning. And uh, I'd also like to say what Jeff said. Welcome home, those of you who are here with us. It's always a, a great thing during Thanksgiving, Christmas, during our holidays that uh, get to see so many of you. Hope you have a blessed day today as you hang out with family and uh, friends here. And also would want to say thank you to all of you who served our community uh, with such grateful, joyful hearts yesterday. Uh, it, was a, it was a great joy and we're praying and hoping that somehow of that offering, of that sacrifice, of, of, that, um, of that action, that God's going to do something really good in our community. And I, and I, know, I know He will. Over this past month, uh, we have been in a series talking about the benefits of a thankful life. And we've been going to God's Word, and I invite you to pull out your Bible now and look at Matthew 15. And as you're turning to that, uh, the whole month, just really focusing on what does it look like, what are the benefits of living gratefully? Like not just one day a year, but every day having a focus on what to be thankful for, how we can express our gratitude. And we've seen how you know, such huge benefits to living that way. It increases our joy and our, and our strength in the Lord. It, it shows anxiety to the door we saw in Scripture. Uh, we can see how it changes our perspective, even on the hard things in our life, the things that happen that are, are difficult and they, they impact our character and things like that, but we, we, we frame them differently when we are looking at them through the lens of thankful living, grateful Lives And today, I'm simply calling this short meditation, and I'm hoping it'll be fairly short, is the bridge that, that another benefit of living a thankful life is that it creates a bridge to miracles. And it's primarily the miracle of, a, of the generosity of God that we want to focus on today. So let's look at Matthew 15, and as we turn to that, let's pray. Father, again, we're going to look at your word. It has so much to say to us this morning. Lord, I, I pray that you would amplify it for us, that you would, that you would enliven it by the power of your Spirit, that we live it uh, in this day and then in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. So we're looking at Matthew 15, verse 32. This is the uh, place where Jesus feeds 4,000, not to be confused with Jesus feeding 5,000, but we'll be looking at that a little bit as well but he feeds 4,000 in this day. So verse 32, it says this, Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we going to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven, and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children, and sending, after sending the crowds away, he got into a boat and went to the region of Magadan. So, a big miracle, uh, a lot of food, and a lot of feeding. You will sit around your tables today and have a feast, and 
you know, we're all hoping that there'll be leftovers because there is just nothing like uh, Thanksgiving leftovers. I'd like you this morning just for a very few moments to find yourself in the story. And in this story, we are going to look at the disciples and we're going to look at Jesus, mostly at Jesus, but we want to acknowledge the disciples as well and see how they responded and how Jesus responded. When we look at the disciples and their reaction, it says this, And the disciples said to him, Where are we going to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed such a great crowd? In the feeding of the 5,000, we have a similar response from the disciples when Jesus says, Hey, let's feed these people. Let's feed them. And in that case, we have an answer from Philip. He says, he gives a dollar amount. He says, you know, 200 denarii, or about $4,000 worth of bread would not be enough to give each of them even a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? There's just so many people and so little amount to give. So, pretty natural response from the disciples Jesus doesn't put them down for it, but it's just simply a natural response, a response that we often have when we see great needs as well. They have some obvious questions. They start in the head, and what they see, and the big mountain that they see in front of them of the need, and the questions they have about that influences, impacts their hearts, and it would lead... Ultimately, I think, what it leads to in many of our lives when we get overwhelmed when we see something, it leads to complete inactivity. We don't do anything, not even a little. So they ask obvious questions. How? How are we going to do this? There's 4,000 men, and that means women and children. How how are we going to do it? Where? Obvious question. Look where we are. It's a desolate place. There's no stores, nothing close to us. How are we going to make this happen? You might find yourself this morning in a desolate place in your life where there's great need. You're in a hard place. You're in a desolate place. What kind of place are you in today? And then, of course, I mean, around here, we could just, this is just so obvious. What's it going to cost? I don't know how, you know, how many times it cuts, stuff will come to our board, and we want to count the cost. That God tells us we, we ought to count the cost on things, but this is what they are doing. There's guys there that have minds like yours that are just quickly adding up how many people, how much is it going to cost, and they say, how are we going to do it? And they even come to a, a, an amount of what they think it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost. So these are the natural ways to respond when we see great need out in front of it, and is certainly the way that the disciples focused. They primarily, if you look at it, they primarily focus on what they do not have. They're mostly looking at the great need and seeing we don't have enough. Now let's look at Jesus. How does he respond? Well, his response, we would say, is a more supernatural response, a more spiritual response. And I simply want to leave these words with you if they're kind of rumbling around in your mind throughout the day. Uh, I saw Tim Brown have you say things back and forth, and since he's the professor of preaching and he's really, I thought, I got to do that. So here it is. Okay? You repeat after me. His way, His way. 
our way. Okay, so if it's his way, our way. Okay, here's the next one. He cares, we care. Okay, so we're going to see the way of Jesus, his way, our way. And we see he cares, and so we care. We want to follow his way. It's a supernatural way. It's going to be the way that leads to the miracle. It may lead to a miracle in your life, in my life, in the church's life. It often does, and we don't even see it. We don't even recognize it. We miss it. We miss the excitement of it. His way, our way. He cares, we care. So Jesus, when you look at the text, he doesn't start in the mind. He starts in the heart. And then his heart informs his thinking. He doesn't ignore the need. He doesn't ignore the the hugeness of it, the overwhelming, like the big part of it. But his heart is leading the way, which influences his heart, and it ignites faith. Of course, he lived faith every day. He had perfect faith, but he lives out this faith, and it leads and it engages action. He takes action, and we see a miracle. Last night at a table, as Jeff was mentioning, I had a lady told me, had great need in her life, but she said, you know, I've had so many miracles in my life. And she shared, I mean, and they were, I mean, they weren't huge miracles like feeding for them, but they were like, you couldn't explain them naturally. Had so much need in her life. And she said something very interesting to me. She said, you know, we miss, we miss miracles all the time because we don't see them. That spoke to me. Jesus Instead of focusing on what they don't have, he gets them thinking and looking at what do we have. And I would want us to do that this morning. What do we have? Not what don't we have. What does someone else have that I wish I had? But what, what do we have? What has God given us? What makes this day so great and joyous? Because we are, we are called and focused today to be thinking that way. To be focusing on what have we been given It's a good way to live, not just today, but every day of our life. Not thinking about what we don't have, not focusing on that, but focusing on what we do have. So what did did Jesus focus on? His way, our way. Remember, he starts in his heart. We have from the text where he says, I have compassion on the crowd. His heart is aching for something that he sees. He's seeing the same thing the disciples are saying. And we see Jesus saying, I have compassion. I'm putting myself where they are right now. I'm not ignoring it. We do, so that, we do that so well. Because we don't want to feel it sometimes. I don't know why we do that. But we kind of ignore. We kind of push out. We, we just keep focused. keep on our day. Jesus, all the time, is open to interruption. And he sees and he responds. And he has compassion in his heart. And that leads the way to the next step. That informs his mind. So he's feeling something. He has compassion. And it goes on to see, say this. I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. So he has a desire. Actually has an unwillingness. He is not willing. He is unwilling to send these people away. He has compassion on him, and it is, he is unwilling. 
That struck me this, this week as I was studying it. I asked myself, what am I unwilling to accept around here? What am I unwilling to accept in my life when I have compassion on people? What are we unwilling to do? How are we unwilling to respond when we look at our community? When we look at our world? I think the reason why TCC kind of gets fired up at this time is because in our unwillingness and in our compassion for people, we respond, we, we act, we, we share, we're generous, we, we gather turkeys, we, we do stuff, and we catch the wind of the Spirit, we catch the heart of God, and we experience miracles. Sometimes the faith walk can get kind of boring when we're just kind of living for ourselves, going through the motions, and Around Thanksgiving, we are not just going through the motions. How can we live that way every day? So Jesus is unwilling to send these people away. And he focuses on what they have. And it seems like just a little bit. How many loaves do we have? And we only have seven and a few small fish. In the 5,000 story, it's, there's a boy. They don't even have it. Though. There's a boy here who has some loaves and two fish. And again, just reminds us this morning, let's, let, let's not miss the simple things this morning. What can God do in your and my life with a little, with a little in our lives? The gifts that He gives us, the things that He gives us, what can He do with it when you open-handed, in an open-hearted sort of way, say, God, this is my offering. What can you do with it? And God regularly, with those kinds of things, and with that kind of heart, does a miracle. So Jesus focuses on what he has. He, fourthly, focuses on the giver. The giver of all good gifts. And maybe you, like I have, have passed over these short two words uh, so very often in this story and so many other stories where it says, And after having given thanks... He broke them and gave them to his disciples. It's been the focus of our month this month. And it's just catching my attention all over the place. When you read through the Bible, Jesus does this all the time. It says, and he gave thanks. It changes everything. When you have that posture as a beginning of what little we have, even if it's a little, Jesus wasn't a rich guy on earth. They just have a few things, but he gives thanks. Through this month, and then been reading a book, maybe you've read it as well, Anne Voskamp's 1,000 Gifts, where she purposefully writes down a thousand things and then has kept going of those things that she is thankful for, just posturing her everyday life in a different sort of way, where she is mindful and observant and actually writing down those things for which she is grateful and she, she says, this is huge, that Jesus is always saying, give thanks. That it says he gives thanks. It's not a give thanks like we often do. Well, let's pray quick a second before we eat because it's sort of the right thing to do. So let's quick, you know, pray. I had a, my nephew told me, you know, you don't have to pray if it's cold. You only have to pray if it's hot, right? <laughs> That's the only time you have to pray, you know. So it's, there's rules now. You know, if it's cold, not, yes, hot, you have to. 
you know, because God, that's the way it works. And that's often how we happen. It's how we've been trained in some ways, kind of a religious sort of way. So we, and we're in a, now we're in a restaurant. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, not that kind of prayer, not that kind of giving thanks, but like you pray, like when you're on the mission field, you know, and you're eating something, you're going, wow, I don't know what this is. I'm really going to pray. Thank you, Father, then uh, help me to be well, okay? That kind of prayer. But uh, a prayer of thanks. She unpacks this word to give thanks. Eucharistio, give thanks. In this word, I'm not going to go a lot in this, but it's just so, it's so intriguing to me that wrapped up in this word of give thanks, we have the word charis. Remember, charis vink here. That word means grace. So wrapped up in this give thanks is this recognition of grace. And also the word for joy is in there, kind of as a root. So we have joy and thanks and grace all wrapped up in this give thanks. And Jesus did this all the time. We're going to celebrate communion next week, and it says that as well. He took the bread and he gave thanks for it. This is just hours before he's going to go to a desolate place, a hard place. Jesus knows your place if you are there this morning where you are gritting your teeth to be thankful today because of the hard things that are happening. Jesus sacrificed giving thanks to to God. So Jesus focuses on the giver and a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ, filled with gratitude, changes the whole equation. It becomes the bridge or the pivot point. This gratitude. See, what Jesus, when Jesus is thanking the Father, as we are thanking the Father today, we are acknowledging quite a few things, this posture that we have. And we are acknowledging that we have a generous Father Jesus believed his father, when he gave thanks, is a generous father, that he's a good father, that he's a loving father, and that he's a rich, a a rich father, abundantly more, he talks about, that he will give us. You know, some people have tried to explain away this as a miracle, that people really did have the food, they just didn't want to share it, and as soon as kind of this, people started sharing, then they well, if they're sharing, then I'll share, and then there was plenty of food for everybody. But that just simply does not explain the fact that there is, like, you know, baskets left over, you know, the original to-go box, the original Thanksgiving leftovers kind of thing. He's a generous God, abundant God, not a God of scarcity. Psalm 145, verse 8 says this. This is why the the Lord Jesus is this way. He says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. Starts with his heart. He's compassionate, slow to anger, and he is rich. He is rich. Our God is rich in love, even in hard places. So this day, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, and we're going to express our thanks here in just a few moments, we're going to express our gratitude, we're going to give a sacrifice of thanksgiving as we give our offering that goes outside of this church. Psalm 50 says that when we do that, it honors God. 
as we do that, let's have His way be our way. He cares, we care. And there is a danger here. There is a danger if we decide not to go this way, if this is just a Thanksgiving way. There is a danger to leave the way of Christ. You remember how often Jesus would would highlight and would praise the person who came back. When there were lepers, he'd say, weren't there, weren't there ten? And only one comes, and it's, it's the foreigner. He's the one coming and saying things. And he says, your faith has healed you. He highlights that. The danger of not living a thankful life puts our lives back into ourselves Me, I, what's in it for me? And away from joy and peace because there is never enough when that's our posture. So today, live a thankful life. Full of thanks. Have a great day. Have a great full day. A grateful day. Found this little thing. It's interesting. It takes a full 20 minutes after your stomach is full for your brain to register that it's full. How long does it take your and my soul to realize that it's full? That's what's so cool about today, is that we're taking the time. We're pondering over this. We're, we're thinking about it. We have our eyes open of the things that we're thankful for. And thanks leads to thanks. Thanks. Gratitude begets gratitude. Generosity begets generosity. This is something that God is calling us to do, to live every day of our life. Today, this Thursday, next Thursday, the third Thursday in February, each day that we would live grateful lives. Thanking God for the gift, looking for the ways that we can make His way our way. Open hand and open heart, even with the little things, even with the few things in our life. And just see if it might create a bridge to a miracle that gives him honor and gives us great joy and encouragement. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that we get to be a part of your your way, that you've invited us to this supernatural way where it's about others and it's about your provision and about having our focus on gratitude. I pray now, Lord, as we give our offering and as we express our thanks to you, that it would, it would just be sweet to you and give us great joy. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.